Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I don't care if you've been teaching the Bible for 50 years. I don't care if you've been teaching the Bible for 50 days. Every time you read God's word, and that's why the Bible says it's the living word of God. Are y'all listening? That's why the Bible says it's the living word of God, because it, it keeps on giving. It keeps on giving you something more and more. And every time you read it, and, and me, I've been reading the Bible for a long time. And I've been teaching the Bible for, I don't know how many years, honey? 25, 20 Six, then 28, somewhere around there. Long as I've been saved, pretty much. Amen. I need you to come stand up here with me. <laughs> Just whisper in my ear. <laughs> long as I've been saved. And every time you read, you know, somebody once said, God's word is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. And that's so, so true. And this statement here in verse 3 I don't think I've ever seen this before. I just, if I did, I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen this before, that there is but a step between me and death. Man, that just hit me. Again, we've just come from a conference, and I'm in a hotel room um, preparing this sermon, between the hotel room and the car preparing this sermon, and this really just jumped out to me. There is a step between me and death. At this point, listen, David, if you're taking notes, write this down. At this point, David has a real sense of his own mortality. I am a step away from death. Four things I want to share with you about this step. Got a pen? Four things about this step. It's a short step. It's a short step. It's a sudden step. And it's a sweet step. It's a short step, a short step, a sudden step, and a sweet step. First of all, it's a sure step. In other words, every single one of us will take this step toward death. Somebody say amen. That is true. It might be when you're 80, it might be when you're 90, but you're going to take, or it might be next week, we don't know. But everyone is going to take this step. We are not indestructible. Listen, young folks, you are not indestructible. I know you think you are, because you have a six-pack. And you think you are indestructible. You do not realize that one day that six-pack will become a one-pack. Where my brother's at? (laughs) That six-pack will someday become a one-pack. So just keep on waiting. Keep on living. Amen. Keep on living. Right? You are but a step away from death. Life is short. 
And we need to prepare for death. We need to prepare for that one step. It was Psalm, Moses, Psalm 90, verse 12. Moses said, teach us the number of our days that we might know wisdom. Think about that. Are y'all praying for me? Think about that. Moses, think about this. Led the longest funeral possession, possession in the history of the world. Moses led the longest funeral possession in the history of the world. Moses watched more than millions of Israelis die in the wilderness. It was a sure step. And that's why we need to prepare for it, because it's going to happen. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, what, saints? Judgment. Think about it. The moment you take your first breath in the world, the next breath you take, you're on your way to this sure step. Somebody once said only those who are prepared to die are really ready to live. We do all kinds of things to prepare for life, don't we? We, we do nothing to prepare for death. When the truth is, death is the only sure thing. There is but a step between you and death. Not only is it a sure step, but it's a short step. Stay with me. Job 14.1. Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. James 4, 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Isn't that true? I remember when I was 15 and I remember thinking, and we've all done this. When you're like 15, 16, you think, man, when I get, a, when I get to 30, I'm going to be done. Uh, man, I'm going to be old. When I get to 30, I'm really old. And then when you get to 30, you think, man, when I get to 50, I'm going to be really, whew, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to walk. When I get to 50, right? Do, right? And then when you get to 50, you go, you know, this ain't so bad. I feel pretty good. <laughs> Y'all young people don't know what I'm talking about. Right. And, and then when you get to, you know, you get to 60 and you think, oh, you know what? Uh, I, 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 I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to see what the end's going to be. <laughs> you kind of get, you know, it gets further and further and further and further out. <laughs> it's a short step, a short step, a sudden step. In other words, you don't know when God will call you home. God can interrupt your life at any time. Luke chapter 12, verse 20. But God said unto him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those who, whose will those be, whose will those be which you have provided? Rachel died on the table giving childbirth to Benjamin. It seems Ananias and Sapphira died during a church service in Acts chapter 5. You know the story. Samson died in the middle of captivity by the Philistines. Saul and Jonathan died in the battle against the Philistines. Interesting. David said, I'm one step from death, but Jonathan died before David. Interesting. One last thing about death, according to the Bible, it's a sweet step. Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his. Anybody know? Saints, you know that. It's perpetual gladness. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. There is perpetual gladness in the presence of the Lord and in the perfect glory of the Lord. And when a saint dies, like your grandma, 
She knew the Lord and she was a godly woman. Or your husband, he knew the Lord and he was a godly man. Precious. The Bible says that is precious in the sight of the Lord. Is the death of his saints. That should give you hope. That should give you encouragement. That's why we don't weep like the world weeps. And we, we, we don't, when somebody dies and they go to be, we know they go to be with the Lord. We don't, we don't grieve like the world grieves. Thank you, Lord. That's the word I'm looking for. We don't grieve like the world grieves, do we? Huh? The world grieves like there's no hope. They have no hope. They don't know. They don't, they don't know. They don't have hope. They have no hope. If you believe that we die and you go into nothingness, well, there's no hope there. Or you die and we come back re- reincarnated, there's no hope there. But if you believe that we die and we go in the presence of the Lord and, 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 and our death is precious in the sight of the Lord, that almost gives you the feeling that when a saint dies, Jesus is standing right there. When they take their last breath here, Jesus is standing right there to say, come now, enter the joy of the Lord. I'm trying to help you. Precious. I love that verse. Memorize that verse. Memorize that verse. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death. Of his saints. Verse 3 in 1 Samuel is so true. There's only one step between you and death. So David is trying to convince Jonathan that his dad's going to kill him. Now understand something all that David is going through is God, as I mentioned. All that David is experiencing is David's path to the throne. Write that down. All that David is experiencing is David's path to the throne. Everything that David is going through is necessary for him to become the king that God is calling him to be. So David will not die at the hand of Saul because God waited for him. And God has a timing for David to die. And if David was going to... See, this ought to help you to kind of understand how... um, depressed David is and how discouraged he is. You know, there's but one step between me and death. Your father's trying to kill me. What have I done? What's going on? I don't know what's happening. Listen, David, if you were going to die, you would have died at the hands of a bear. David, if you were going to die, you would have died at the hands of a lion that you tore up with your own bare hands. David, if you were going to die and God wanted you dead, then Goliath would have stepped on you like an ant. See, we forget. Y'all listen to me. We forget what God has done when we're going through something. We forget what God has done when we're going through something. We forget. Listen, if God wanted you dead, you'd be dead. Goliath would have stepped on you like an ant, boy. No problem. God has it. He would have died at the hands of the Philistines. David will not leave this world one second before God says come. And we won't leave this world one second before God says come. And that's why we don't have to fear death. God knows your step. 
Daniel 5, 23, God holds your breath in his hands. Acts 17, 29, for in him we live and move and have our being. Job 12, 10, in whose hand is life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Well, in verse four, Jonathan saw David was serious. And Jonathan said, look at verse four. Jonathan said, what can I do? He sees David as serious. What can I do? Verse five, David said tomorrow, At the Feast of New Moons, the king is going to expect me to sit with him at dinner. But listen, I'm going to hide in the field for three days. And if your dad misses me, then say I got permission to go in verse six. In other words, are y'all getting this? Jonathan, I want you to lie to your dad for me. This that statement there really spoke to me about how human the people in the Bible really are. We have them in stained glass windows. All the apostles and the prophets, and you go to some church today and it's staying, and you hear the music. Oh, 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 oh. They're like, oh man, those guys are holy men. They were holy because Christ made them holy. But in terms of men, they were men like you and I. David says, Jonathan, listen, I need you to lie to your dad for me and tell him that if your dad asks where where I am, then tell him I went to Bethlehem for a family dinner. Look at verse 7. If your dad says, okay, fine, no worries. But if he has a problem with it, then Jonathan, I want you to find me and kill me yourself because I don't want to die at the hand of your father. Verse 8, verse 9, Jonathan said, David, if I knew something was going to harm you, I'd let you know. David said in verse 10, how will I know if your dad is angry? And note the plan that Jonathan comes up with to let David know if the father is angry with him or not. Verse 11, they go out to the field and they discuss the plan. Look at verse 12. Then Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is, a, there is good toward David, I, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I'll report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety and the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die. Underline verse 14 and 15. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house for how long, saints? Forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of your enemies, David, from the face of the earth. And so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, notice with the house of David, hmm, saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now stop right there. Jonathan and David take a vow of loyalty to each other. Jonathan said, David, God is my witness. If I don't let you know, may the Lord do so to me. What will happen to you in verse 13? Verse 13 is the plan. Jonathan said, if my dad is planning to hurt you, I'm going to let you know so that you can get away safely 
and may God go with you. In verse 14 and 15, Jonathan said, David, I know that you are going to be king. And I know that God is going. Are y'all getting, Jonathan has more faith in God than David. Jonathan, I know you, David, I know you're going to be king. You're not going to die. Calm down. He's got more faith in David and what God is going to do in David than David does. And that's kind of how it happens, isn't it? Sometimes when you're going through stuff, you can't see it. It takes a brother or a sister to come up and say, listen, God's got a work for you to do. And you need to stay the course. And get your eyes off that little bit of drama. And look at all that God is doing. You know, one, one little bit of drama in the church can take your eyes off of the whole kingdom. Somebody once said the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. I could say gets the Crisco, but gets the... <laughs> the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And it's true. So you got all this stuff, good. you got one thing going on over here, and these people are saying this, and they're saying that, and they're blowing you up on Facebook, and they're talking about you, and this, that, and the third, and the And God is doing such a great, beautiful work in the entire church among thousands, but all you see is that one thing that's bothering you. David, God's got a great plan for your life. <laughs> My father's not going to kill you. It can't happen. Jonathan has more faith in what the Lord is going to do in David's life than David does. Jonathan says, I know that God's going to cut off every one of your enemies. And it's interesting because the throne should have been Jonathan's by birth. But Jonathan understood the throne is going to David. Isn't that interesting? It's Jonathan's by birth, but David's by anointing and destiny. And Jonathan wasn't bitter about that. I find that interesting. Jonathan said, David, promise me that you'll show me in verse 14 and 15, you'll show me kindness and my family also. And the reason that they're making this covenant is because, listen, it's very common in those days when um, another king or another dynasty took the throne that that previous, that that new king would wipe out everyone from the previous kingdom, men, women, children, boys, Girls, cats, dogs, hamsters, everything got to go. Everything. So they would wipe out everything and start a new kingdom. So Jonathan says, David, listen, promise me that you will take care and watch out for my family forever. And Jonathan and David agreed to care for everyone forever in Jonathan's family. Listen. David made good on that promise. How did he do that? How do you know, Pastor? I know because, yes, sir, you know your Bible. I see you. But Fibosheth, 2 Samuel chapter 9, go there with me quickly. Come on. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel is right after 1 Samuel. Amen. Wasn't that deep? That was deep. That was deep. I don't care what y'all say. That was deep. Second Samuel chapter 9. Mephibosheth. David makes good on that promise. Second Samuel chapter 9. I, I got to read this. Lord, help me. I've got 17 minutes. Now, David said, 
Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. And then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, well, there is still a son of Jonathan, He's lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Mercure, the son of Emil in Lodabar. Well, then King David sent and he brought him out of the house of Mercure, the son of Emil from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul had come to David, he fell on his face prostrate before him. And David said to him, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here's your servant. And David's king now. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's, ah, Jonathan, your father's sake, not for your grandfather's sake. Not for Saul, but for Jonathan. And I'll restore, again, are y'all picking that up? Making good on this covenant in verse 14 and 15. So in verse 14 and 15, if you want to sneak back over there, just write down 2 Samuel chapter 9 because that's your reference for 14 and 15. Mephibosheth, don't fear. I'm going to show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I'll restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. And then he bowed himself and he said, what is your servant that you look upon me? I'm, I'm just like a dead dog. And the king called the Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table Always Now, Ziba had 15 boys and 20 servants, and he put them all under Mephibosheth. This is a rags to riches story. He put them all under the leadership of Mephibosheth. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. Now stop right there, saints. Listen. This is a great, great, great story. Now, there's a time of rest. Here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, there's a time of rest. And David begins to remember his promise to Jonathan. And in verse 2, David called this guy named Ziba, whose name means plantation, if you're taking notes. And David asked, is there someone of Saul's family I can show kindness to? And Ziba said, well, Mephibosheth, the, the lame son of Jonathan. And David said, where is he? And Ziba said, he's living in Lodabar. And David said, bring him here. Now, Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. And just really quick, how he became lame, he wasn't born that way. How he became lame in his feet is because Saul and Jonathan were um, battling the Philistines and had been defeated by the Philistines. And Jonathan 
left Mephibosheth, his son, in the care of this woman. And when she heard about the battle and she heard that Saul and Jonathan were dead, she took off running because she knew that everyone from the previous dynasty is going to be killed. So she took off running, and while she was running, she dropped Mephibosheth. And he was lame in his feet from that day forward. Now listen, let me get all Dr. Phil on you, okay? You got to keep in mind, in those days, there was no pain meds. There was no doctors. There was no cast to reset the feet. This boy, Mephibosheth, is psychologically, physically, emotionally traumatized. No mommy kisses to make things better. He's, he's damaged about the age of five years old. And so Mephibosheth is living in now many years later in Lodabar. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.